scary ghosts, creepy serial killers, all things that go bump in the night. Enjoy the view from the open shutters. <laughs> Creepsters. I'm Barry Marino. I'm Philip Landry. And this is another episode of Open Shutters. And we haven't been around in a while, have we? <laughs> we have been having all kinds of things happen. Well, we have all kinds. I mean, changes in work. The good, schedule. the bad, and the snuggly. Uh, some your... little illness. And you, you. Oh, we'll to... talk about it in a moment. Tell me about what's been going on with your work first. Well, we hired a new girl, and our store is now open till 2 a.m. On Friday and Saturday. And we, um, my shift changed. I only work four days a week now. I got cut down a few hours. Thanks a lot. But anyway, uh, my, um, my shift is now on Fridays. I work from 2 p.m. to 8 p.m., which is really nice. I like that. I like getting off earlier like that. And then on Sundays and Mondays, I work from 4 to midnight. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday off. I like that a lot. And that's pretty much what's been going on at work, other than things I don't want to talk about with some crazy customers. Well, my life has been transformed since I've last been I know, you had some big life changes. Um, I've come out as polyamorous now. My third coming out. First it was gay, then it was non-binary, and now I'm polyamorous. And aren't you coming back out as gay again? <laughs> well, no, I was gay all the time. So <laughs> I've been gay. Um, but anyhow, so I was like, oh, this polyamory adventures, this is fun. You know, I'm meeting people. And I was like, oh, okay. Looks like I might have a potential triad, you know, or thruple. Then it looks like, oh, I'm going to have a possibility of a potential quad. Mm-hmm. Now it's actually looking like I'm going to have a potential pentagram. <laughs> Or a queen. <laughs> I'm going to call it a pentagram. I like calling it a pentagram. And we aren't going to mention any of these folks' names because... No, no. To protect their privacy. Their privacy and certain ones, especially with uh, some of their... Some of what they... Their professions. Their and professions like and their yes. life, life and all. And I just want to keep respect for them. But we will just call them collectively DKA. DKA. It sounds like a serial killer. If I even... <laughs> DKA. Like BTK, yeah. <laughs> they might be wearing me out down the road. I mean, well, one thing I want to I want to touch on, before, but it's wonderful. Before we go into what you watch and everything, I just read a great book called The Reporter Who Knew Too Much, and it's about um, we. Well, I don't want to say too much because we're going to be covering this, either next week or the week before we're going to be covering this case. It's a case of Dorothy Kilgallen. Have you ever heard of her? Vaguely. Yeah, well, we probably what she's mostly remembered for now is that she was a panelist on the game show in the fifties and sixties called "What's My Line," and it was a show where people with strange professions would come on, and the panel would do like a twenty questions thing to try to guess what their profession was. She was on there also with um, Arlene Francis was a regular panel. She was an actress from the um, you know. One of the things y'all might know her from is the um, Doris Day movie, The Thrill of It All. And she was the wife in the original um, 
Oh, Lord. Cheaper by the dozen. The first one with Clifton Webb. She was the wife in that one. And then, um, and then Bennett Cerf, who, who was the founder of Random Press. And it was like, they were, they were like New York intellectuals doing a game show. But anyway, she was also a reporter and she was investigating the Kennedy assassination. And then she died mysteriously. So that's all I'm going to say about it. But we are going to be covering this in the next couple of weeks. Oh. I've been doing, oh, I mean, I, I just did it to say, oh, this might be a nice little case. And it just grabbed me by the throat and I couldn't stop researching it. So it should be a good show. Uh, so what you been watching? So let's talk about the movies first. We just went and saw the uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, Curtis and Lance went and saw that, and I was sick last night, and I couldn't go. But you know me, I have, I have Doctor Strange fantasies. I like Doctor Strange. But I have to admit... Well, watch that Oscar thing. You can Elizabeth, see his penis. Ol- Elizabeth Olsen as... Oh, no, I saw that. Elizabeth Olsen, <laughs> Power of the Doll. Yeah, Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah, but it's Power of the Dog. Power that's the dog. for sure. But um, Elizabeth Olsen as as um, Wanda, aka Scarlet Witch, I actually think was quite um, amazing. I mean, even though the title is Doctor Strange, which he does have a big role, I think she was equally a part of that movie. Like, and it was really. I don't want to give nothing away much, but I will say. I mean, a lot of people know that she's in the movie, so. And but, she, but she's also known for WandaVision, playing the same character. But it's a very impressive um, performance, actually, in a superhero movie. And it's actually so impressive, there is actually Oscar buzz around it right now for her to be nominated. Wow. That's which is rare. Already. That's, which is very rare for a superhero movie. And, and it's this early in the season. The only time I ever saw a movie that came out this early... Get the all Oscar bug buzz immediately with Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of impressive for her to, in, in a superhero to get that, though. To yeah. be considered, possibly. And I think it's possibly for. They have to actually almost consider it for best actress because I think the role is so big. I don't think it can be supporting. Well, well I didn't see it now. I'm sorry I missed it. I'm going to have to find a way to see it. It's Marvel, right? Yeah. And Marvel is on, that'll probably wind up on Disney+. And I like Plus. Benedict Cumberbatch, but I'm telling you, Elizabeth Olsen makes the movie. It's well worth it. Now, did you also hear that um, because of the merger with Discovery and HBO, uh, they their uh, Discovery Plus is going to be just into HBO. It's going to be absorbed into HBO Max. So what happens if you have two different? Well, you're only going to have to pay for one because they're going to. They... So you can cancel one. Well, you're not going to have to. They're going to they're gonna just dissolve it. It's going to go dark. Which one? Discovery? Uh, Discovery, yeah. And so H- it's getting merged H- into HBO Max. Yeah, and then, and then you'll have a Discovery Plus part of HBO Max. Oh, wow. So it's going to be one of the hubs. So we're going to have it. We're so gonna, Discovery Plus is going to be a hub. Yeah, and we're going to have it as all one. It, 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 you know, it's just all one app. So it's easier for people who enjoy both. Well, there, I think apps. what was happening, and I think what, you bring up an interesting concept, since we do talk about all of these shows, I think what's happening is is a lot of the um, streaming services, all were doing their own streaming service, but then they realized with inflation and everything going on, People can't afford to have all these. Yeah. Like, I've been having to look at what should I cut. So, I think before we even have to worry about cutting, I think There's going to be some mergers, yeah. Now I'm thinking the mergers is going to happen. And 
really it's going to set up the competition where people yeah. are going to keep those really best ones. So I'm just saying, Netflix, you've kind of fucked around and you've been losing a lot of viewership. You might want to consider you know merging my with problem somebody. With, you know what my problem with Netflix is right now? Everything that's on it is dubbed in English. All the new stuff. Well, because some of it is, is actually they're international. That I don't have a problem with. Well, I just have, I, I don't know. I find dubbing very annoying. But they better look at they better look at merging with somebody soon, or they're gonna c- continue to lose um, to viewers. If they could find a process to do it where the act the voice went with the actor, it would be different. But the voice doesn't even go with the actor. Well, it's hard to do that when you. I mean, well, I mean, sometimes you don't have. Unless you do like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I mean, Dragon. I personally but, do watch the subtitles. So. Like Crouching, uh, uh, and I watch in the original language, so I have no comment. Crouching Tiger's Kid and Dragon, Michelle Yeoh and uh, and Chow Young Fat, and one of the other ones, a couple of the other ones, they also were English speaking actors that worked in in American movies, and they dubbed themselves. It was a show with um, Michelle Yeoh that I just finished watching. That's one I was trying to think about. Where she owns the laundry. Oh no, that's a movie we saw last week. Uh, which With Michelle Yeoh and she owns the laundry oh, and she keeps everything going everywhere all at once. Everything everywhere. Well, she's all at got once. Oscar buzz around her for that. That was good. I didn't you enjoy that. it? it yes, was awesome. I did. I didn't think I would at first, but it was is the strangest movie I ever saw. But it was it, fun. But the, it had a really good morals when you got to or the or the concept was yeah. really good when you got towards the end, which I don't want to give any. No, I don't want to give anything away because I want people to go see it. Um, okay, and what else? You, what, what else have you been? Doing? Um, we both been watching the first lady. The first lady, very, very good. Okay, <laughs> out of the three of them, which one do you think is given the best performance? Oh, Michelle Pfeiffer by four is Betty. As Ford. Betty Ford, yeah. Uh, now, I, I I like Julie Anderson's Eleanor Roosevelt, but she's actually she's too attractive. What? She's she's too pretty to be Eleanor Roosevelt. I mean, they try to they try to ugly her down, but she's too attractive. Betty Ford's though is really the one where I'm uh, getting prob- the emotion. The problem I'm having with, um, what's her name? Um, that's playing Michelle Obama. Oh, um, why did my why did my brain go Viola Davis? Is Viola Davis? Viola you know? Davis. She's too old for one thing. And, and the makeup job was so wrong. Yeah, and she's too old. She. It's, they really should have had. I it, mean, I'm not trying to put Viola Davis down, but the way the makeup is done on Viola's face to turn her into Michelle Obama, it's like Viola Davis is attractive, Michelle Obama's attractive, but Viola Davis in makeup as Michelle Obama I thought, is not attractive. I thought Kerry Washington should have been playing uh, Michelle Obama. Her somebody somebody as even I think well actually we talked. I was thinking maybe even like what is it? Is it not? Reg- well, yeah, maybe Regina King or Regina Hall. Regina King, better. yeah, would have been. Either, yeah. either one of the Reginas would have been fine. Yeah, they would have had a closer visual to work with. Yeah, I think even better than Carrie yeah, Washington. But they both and they both be aware more of a resemblance to Michelle Obama than yeah. Either one of the Reginas. Either does, one of the Reginas yeah. would have actually. I would have went Regina King. Yeah, personally, I think Regina. She got King, the same face. Yeah, Regina King would have it. And, and Regina King has that power to her. She also has a good build. Because she had that power to her way back as a little girl in 227. Uh, I mean, recently, have you seen when she was in The Watchmen? I mean, she really has those. She has the body like Michelle, which would have worked too. And I'm not putting Viola Davis down. I like Viola Davis. I understand they were going for the acting and less for the look. But I think Regina King could have done it just as well. So. 
No, no hate, Viola. It's just no, 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 no. I just no. feel like it was poor casting. I still Viola's think, good in everything else. I still else she's think Viola done. has got the voice down and everything else, though. She's good in everything, but Michelle Pfeiffer really just feeds us Betty Ford. And out of the three first ladies, I like Betty Ford the best. Mainly because yeah. she broke, she broke with her party, right. And the storyline is just so compelling on the on the, on on the show. I, I don't know why. I don't know why it's because her generation was the. She she's one of the first uh, being aware. The first uh, uh, they were big, the biggest part of the second wave of feminism. But maybe, maybe my thing is maybe maybe this is also the thing is, is that. If we look at this, if we look at Eleanor, it's we're so far removed from that. If we look at Obama, uh, so Obama, it's so close. But Betty Ford is Betty just Ford enough. has this mysterious air. The seventies, uh-huh. that whole the whole sixties in the seventies era is which they're covering. Yeah. with her is ha, has an aura about it. Yeah, and she was such an ordinary person before she was just burst into flame. Into flame, yeah. into fame. <laughs> like, like if this show was made in, say, the '80s, we wouldn't be saying the same things we're saying right now because yeah. it would have been too close. But I think now that era of in the '60s and '70s has a certain nostalgia and aura about it that we're intrigued to learn this because there's still mm. people living that went through that era. Yeah, me. The people <laughs> yeah. that are living from Eleanor's it were children. So, but this they were babies. Nobody and, and, really remembers. And anybody, and a lot of, no, but I mean, the Eleanor's version, that she became first lady in 1932, the year my mom was born. That's 90 years ago. Right. So there's not anyone with really good recollection of what was going on, you know? Yeah. A lot of that. But there is people with the recollection of Betty Ford. So where are we at now? Uh, moving along, uh, you want to talk about something you saw on Amazon Prime, which I haven't had a chance to watch, but I'm excited to watch it. It's Outer Range. Outer Range, yeah. I watched it with Lanson and Curtis. Very good. It's a science fiction western with, Jane, um, with um, Josh Brolin, is the patriarch of this family. And then it, it, there's a um, Will Patton is the patriarch of the other family. And one of the performances that stood out to me was what's his name from uh, Shit's Creek that played. Uh, what, he played. He's the one that marries Dan, um, Daniel. Oh goodness! What is that actor's name? Um, but I know they're showing him on the ads in his little tidy whities singing Whitney Houston. S- singing. <laughs> yeah. Well, he burst into song. This guy. Because I'm, I'm sure. I'm, Please I'm, don't give nothing away. He's a singer, but he burst into song. For all types of different things, and um, he looks entertaining. His character looks entertaining. Yeah, but and you, I first think he might be gay because he's singing Whitney Houston in the mirror in his tidy whities, but he's not. I have to tell you, it's something else. Okay, don't tell me. It's something else. Completely totally. Oh wow, I'm all intrigued. Is, I'm intrigued. It's um, it's about a, uh, well, well, there's a pit in the land, and I can't tell you what don't it is. Don't say nothing. No, I want to tell you. Okay, but it's kind of like a sci-fi horror or something. It like? is. It's a, well, it's a sci-fi, and it's um, and who plays uh, uh Lily Taylor plays the the uh, Josh Brolin's wife. Okay, and this actress that plays the the other mother, I don't know her name. I never really saw her in much. 
when you really hate her, but you love the actress. You ever saw that kind of thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you are also watching something that you just showed me on Netflix. I didn't realize. Did that just get put up recently? Because I haven't noticed that on mine. Oh, Marianne? But Marianne. Yeah, it's... um. Now, is that a movie or a show? It's, no, it's a show. And it's French. It's one of those dubbed in English things. <laughs> well, I'll probably watch it in French. But it's good. Title. But it's good. It's really good. It's about a horror movie, a horror uh, author of horror uh, novels. She's kind of like female Stephen King, in a way. Oh, wow. And um, she goes, she's not really Anne Wright. She's, her stuff is closer to Stephen King. And one of her villains from her books comes to life. It manifests itself in another person. That's all I'm going to tell you. That's intriguing. It's well, very, very, very intriguing. I actually completed the... Uh, I don't know if they're going to come up with another season or what they're going to do with it, but I, I would hope they will. Uh, I've been watching Moon Knight on uh, Disney+, Plus, which is a Marvel thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't want to give much away. I'm sure some people know some things. Uh, um... Um, but with Oscar Isaac is the um, the guy. Oscar Isaac. Also Ethan Hawke. Oh, okay. Wait, I think we were watching that. Okay. Well, and it's got. Basically, I just want to say it involves both dissociative, um, the dissociative identity disorder, and it also deals with the Egyptian mythology. Wow, that is all wow. I will say. I don't want to give nothing away. Don't give anything away. Because it is a very bizarre, We talk about this stuff, ride, and we don't want to give any of it away. A bizarre, trippy ride, and it is really... I I think it was actually... Nobody shoot me for this, but I think it's actually one of the best Marvel things out there. Frio Bandito is trying to very, come up, because I think he wants to be on the show. I like it. It's very intriguing. It's very different than, than a lot of the Marvel stuff that's out there. Um, and it, so nobody shoot me for that because I do like other Marvel stuff, but I was very impressed by Moon Knight. Uh, and you, uh, one of the final things we talked about, you said you were watching something I did, I did briefly see the banner for, but I haven't watched it. Staircase on Hulu. The Staircase, yes. It's uh, there's also a documentary about this. It's a case I want to cover one day. Okay. About he, this man's an actual. Uh, uh, he's like a thriller writer, and one day his wife is at the bottom of the staircase dead oh and uh, he is played by uh Cl Cl um clive fuck we're, we're forgetting all the names today aren't we uh but his wife is played by tony collette oh i love some tony collette yeah tony collette and she's you know, she's her usual really great self in it she, she does she does every character differently. Like Muriel from Muriel's Wedding is totally different from the mother of the oh, wow. I See Dead Kids and People Kid in Sixth Sense. So yeah, uh, we um, that's a that's a good one. We enjoy that one. Excellent, Clive. Wait. You finding it? I'll look for it. Wait, I, I will find it. I will find it. I'm going to look for it on my iPad right now. All I got to do is the staircase. I mean, I, okay. <laughs> He's searching, y'all. And uh, the, the documentary was made by some French guys. The staircase. It's on HBO Max, The Staircase. Okay, so it's actually on HBO Max. Yeah, okay. HBO. Colin Firth. Oh, 
Okay. Oh, and her daughter that is played by Sophie Turner from uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, I love Sophie Turner. Yeah, and Parker Posey is in it also. Another I one. I have to watch this. It sounds so good. It is good. It's very good. Excellent. Well, you got Obis for us. Yes, I do. Uh, we gonna uh, we have a few of them. Um, um, I hope we haven't been around in a while, and I hope we don't miss any of them. But the first one I'm gonna do is one that we missed on our last episode, and it's Bobby Rydell, the singer of Wild One. He was a uh, famous. Uh, he was a teen idol from the '60s, and he was known for songs like Wild One. Volare was one of his big hits, and by he he played the uh, Hugo Peabody, the boyfriend of Kim. Played by Anne Margaret in Bye Bye Birdie. Um, and he got his first Billboard hit in 1959. And his career included 34 top 100 hits. Oh, that's pretty good. Uh, he wrote his biography in uh, 2016 called Teen Idol on the Rocks, The Second Tale of Second Chances. He, also, he had some, um, some uh, alcohol issues. In the past, so rest in peace, Bobby Rydell. He uh, he went well. This is April fifth. Is the is yeah. the article? So he probably went a little bit before that. Okay. Um, now next one, soap opera fans, I got two of them for you. Uh, this one is Catherine Hayes. She played uh, Kim Hughes on As the World Turns for I think it was like for thirty three years. Uh, she also was a movie uh, actress, and she was known for, she had a memorable uh, guest spot in, on Star Trek. She was married to, um, she was married to uh, to Glenn Ford, you know, the old actor Glenn Ford? He was like 25 years her senior. And um, she was 87 years old, and... Um, Yeah, she died on March 25th at the age of 87. She was one we missed last time, too, I guess. Yeah. All right, we have the next soap star. This is a little more recent. This is Jerry Verdorn. Jerry Verdorn is, is famous for two roles on daytime television soap operas. He played Ross Marler from 1979 until, I believe it was 2003, on the guiding light and um his big storyline was his arch enemy roger thorpe he fell in love with his daughter mm. there was a younger man and they, and they they became a hot super couple yes and uh, she was played by elizabeth kiefer who was this absolutely gorgeous woman that looks like ann margaret <laughs> <You know? laughs> um he had pancreatic cancer, and he la he he died on. Oh, what is it? He was born on yeah, November twenty third, nineteen forty nine. He had pancreatic cancer, and he died on. When is the? Where is the date of his death? Oh, Sunday before whatever the Sunday was before May second. Because <laughs> the article's May second. It says he died Sunday. So rest in peace. Oh, I just, okay, I'm sorry. I'm missing something. I'm missing his other big role. After he left Died and Light, he went on to One Life to Live, and he replaced the actor who had died that played Clint, Clint Buchanan. 
And Clint Buchanan was the polar opposite of Ross Marler. Ross Marler was a good moral man that was a, sort of a hero. And Clint Buchanan was a rat. He was J.R. Ewing. <laughs> and he pulled both of them off. Rest in peace, Jerry. He was 72 years old. Well, that was all muddled up, wasn't it? <laughs> you got it, though. Okay. Uh, country star Mickey Gilly, whose big um, hit was Stand By Me from the movie Urban Cowboy, died at the age of 86. And um, his, his Texas nightclub was actually the inspiration for that, that movie, for the movie Urban Cowboy with John Travolta. And he had 17 number one country, uh, uh, no. country singles from 1974 to 1983, including I Overlook the Orchard and Don't the Girls Get Prettier All the Time. And I remember, I, I, I remember this kind of because my childhood. I was a kid. But I remember going to Dollywood, and I think he briefly had a little residency or stint there at Dollywood. Where I guess Dolly had put a contract with him, so he was actually performing on a regular basis. And this is when I was a kid. My mom and my grandmother were so excited. Oh my God! Yeah, your mom and your grandmother were probably the age of his his fan base. My granny was always well, listening I have to a, those country music. I have a little bit of a personal connection to this. My first husband, uh oh, was his like great nephew. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never got to meet him though. Oh. I wish I would have, but I never got to meet him. So anyway, uh, 86 years old, rest in peace, Vicky Gill. Rest in peace. All right. It seems like Seinfeld parents are just going and going and going. It's that time. We had Jerry yes. Stiller, um, and then didn't the actor who played uh, uh, Jerry's father die recently? Yep. Well, and then we had Estelle Harris, who was mm -hmm. George Costanza's We, we just talked about her recently. Yeah. Well, now Liz Sheridan, who played Jerry's mother. I'm telling Died you. Died at the age of 93. <laughs> Helen Seinfeld on his single. And she also wrote, she also had an affair with James Dean back in the day. Mm, <laughs> all right, honey. And she was a stage and film and television actress. Of course, she was best known for Helen Seinfeld, Jerry's mother. And um, she died in New York City at the age of 93. And she started her career as a dancer in the 50s. But it blossomed in the 70s when she appeared in Broadway shows Happy End, which also featured Meryl Streep, a young Meryl Streep, and on an episode of the TV series Kojak. In the 80s, she had some more made-for-TV movies and series like Hill Street Blue and Remington Steel. And she first appealed on Seinfeld in the second episode in May 1990. And turned up throughout the series, including the widely watched finale in 1998. And in a 2007 interview, she, newspaper celebs, she recalled auditions for the part. Uh, Seinfeld and Larry David, the creators, were in the room with a friend of hers. I walked in the room and I smiled at Jerry because my husband and I had watched him do stand-up when he was not yet famous. We loved stand-up, and we told him that we liked his work and his stand-up. He smiled and smiled, and then, and then I read, and they laughed, and I left. And by the time I got home, I got the phone call, and I had the part. How cool is that? But uh, in the show, Jerry's parents live in Florida, 
So Helen and her husband, played by Barney Martin, another actor who played the part in the first episode, appeared only occasionally, and she somehow uh, overshadowed among the show's mothers by Estelle Harris, who played Estelle Costanza, and a highly intensity mother, the highly inten high intensity mother of Jace Alexander's George, and uh, Estelle died on uh, April second. So many people stop me on the street and they say, I know your relationship with Jerry is with my relationship is with my parents. So she was born April 10th, 1929 in Manhattan. And her, uh, her father, Frank, was a concert pianist. And her mother, Elizabeth Poole Jones, was a singer. All right, we'll rest in peace, Liz Sheridan. Man, she, she, was, she was pretty good, wasn't she? We liked her. We really, really liked her. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this next one is probably the biggest. One of the most tragic. Yes, too. and most tragic. And um, I know a bunch of drag queens cried after this. And a lot of people have cried. Yeah. This is insane. Well, you remember I said when Whitney Houston died, I never saw so many drag queens cry since Max Factor stopped selling tan stick. <laughs> really? <laughs> anyway, Naomi Judd. The mother version of the Judds. Yeah. And she died. Oh, it's, this is bad. This is, this is really, really sad. She died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. And in the interview on Good Morning America, Ashley Judd, her daughter, addressed her mother's struggle with depression. She said that uh, her mother was at home in Tennessee the day Naomi died on April 30th. And uh, Judge encouraging everyone who has having thoughts of uh, harming themselves to reach out to the National Suicide Protection Line. I'm going to give you this number, and I'm going to put it in the show, show notes. The number is 1-800-273-8255. Now, if you um, know of anybody that you think is suicidal, or if you're thinking about doing it yourself, Give this number a call. We need you know more people to try to put aside, put stop these types of deaths, put a stop to these types of deaths. And she died seventy. Naomi was seventy six, and it was the day before she was inducted in the Country Music Hall of Fame with her dual partner and daughter, Winona Judd. I want I want to take a moment since you're bringing this up. We. A lot of times when people talk about suicide, they always look at teenagers, the younger people, and yeah. the people that die young. We're seeing actually a real, a real. I don't know if you want to call it a epidemic of this, whatever. But we're seeing older and elder people committing suicides at certain. It, to me, it seems like it's getting like a, a well. We had a bigger spoken, rate than we most. had spoken about this about Buddy, uh, your neighbor. Yes, and I, I just want to bring it up again as like a lot of times when people get older. Their bodies are turning against them. Their minds are turning against them. And I think in America, we need to do a better job on how we view specifically that mental health care to the elderly and, and, and making sure they're provided with the dignity. I also feel that certain elderly people, you will find out, you may not agree with me, but I do believe in right to die with dignity. I think if you, they are in pain or they're hurting or they have something that they might have been given a... A terminal diagnosis. We don't know what was going on with Naomi Judd. Yeah. I feel like the system failed her, and it fails many of older and elderly people. Well, and and I just wanted to mention that on there. 
her daughter said that she was suffering. She's been suffering. She was diagnosed with in like 1990 with um, hepatitis C, and she gave up her career. And that's that's what tells me she had to be living with some form of pain. Yeah. And and I think we don't take into account that. And I mean, I may only be 40, but I have been a long-term diabetic, and I deal with pain. And there are times. There are some thoughts, and, the, and there's days when things get a whole lot worse. And so, in a way, if you're out there looking to say, oh, why'd she do this, or what went on? You know what? You may have family members. You may have loved ones that are going through this, a similar issue. Show some compassion. And, you know, if I, um, uh, God rest her soul, my cousin Jennifer, I mean, she did a couple of shows with us, and she had hurt her knee. And she said that if she had to live with that pain all the time, she would just stop taking her meds. She wouldn't, you know. Um, and I was, I, I, under, I never did understand that until recently when I suffer from gout from time to time. And if, you, if any of you have ever had gout, out, out there have ever had gout, it is the, it, the pain, it's not just pain, it's excruciating torture. It feels like somebody keep it, it, it's it's like somebody's doing a Nancy Kerrigan on you, and they keep on banging you you with a, your knees with a board. And I remember sitting in the uh, in the ER a couple of, about two months ago, and thinking if they can't take this pain away, just take me away. Right. So that's how I can I can understand that type of thing. Now. Um, We've had, uh, we, you know, I had a, I had an aunt that she just got tired of of, of hurting all the time, and all, she just stopped taking her meds for all her conditions she had. You know, because they give us all this medicine to make us live longer, but sometimes they don't know how to get rid of the side effects. You know, there's all these things that have a lot of side effects. So definitely for Naomi Judd, rest in peace. Yeah, her quality of life that- had probably gotten really downhill. I'm sure and if you look at Naomi Judge she was probably used to be a woman that was vibrant vivacious she was beautiful so she probably had a lot of a lot of advantages I really I really hope she's at peace now yeah I hope so too and I hope her her children and her family they all have people have a lot of compassion for them right now yeah I do um okay so uh that's the last of our obituaries now we're gonna be taking a short break wait what? You skipping my part? You know, oh. what, you know what goddamn time it is. Oh, no. How can I skip your part? How could you do that? Not, oh. oh, I'm not even editing this. This is super. Oh, too no, good. you're not editing it because I wanted just, him to know. This is too I'm good. A, Barry tried to skip the weekly horoscopes. I don't know what I was thinking. I guess I'm looking at the clock. Uh, and it's not really that bad. Okay. What time is it? It's horoscope time. It's horoscope time. It's horoscope time. Philip is so sublime. It's horoscope time. It's very sublime this week. Oh, my God. I didn't even (laughs) have gotten to sing my little jingle. (laughs) Well, this week... The art gallery. That was a definite scene, scene oh, sh- moment. That was, was a definite scene. It moment. really was. The art gallery is open, and the blood is on the walls. Yeah, I'm in my blood on the wall. I forget exactly. this again. Exactly. <laughs> so this week we've got all kinds 
of masterpieces in the gallery. And the masterpieces are going to represent gallery. are going to represent each kind of like the night gallery, but even bloodier. It sounds very classy. It does. It does. We're we're, we're taking it up. But is it week. really classy? Actually, it is. Oh, okay. To a degree. Go ahead. <laughs> Move on. So man. yes. So e- each is it Grey Poupon? Each of it. I don't know why we're going that far. Grey Poupon classy. <laughs> Maybe so. You know. So these masterpieces represent the lives of each sign Ooh. over the next week. Ooh. So Aries, <laughs> yours is titled Red Door to the Other Side. Oh, Elizabeth Arden. <laughs> <laughs> it might be, an a- knowing it's Aries, it could be for an advertising act. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't think of that when you wrote it? Actually, I must have been. Th- now that you say it, it makes so much sense. The yeah. title, now that I look at it. There's weird things in my head at times. Yeah, I know, I know. I've heard them. Disturbing <laughs> things, too. Yeah, well, that's cool because that's why I, I like disturbing. Talking things. about disturbing, let's, let's move along to Taurus. Your lives are depicted in the, in the work titled Balloon Floating on a String. Does that balloon pop and get all and look like a mosquito that's just bit somebody? I don't know, but you realize all these artworks are done in blood. Oh, they're all painted or assembled or done with blood. Could be dried blood. Well, the blood's gonna all dry. Could be fresh blood. Who knows? Well, I don't know. One time I spent when I was a kid, there was this bug and it was kind of fat. (laughs) And I smashed it on the wall, and it was a big old blood splog on the wall. And I got scared. And I told my mom, I said, that, blood, that, that balloon had blood. That big bug had blood. She goes, that was a mosquito. I said, it was a big fat one. It didn't look like a mosquito. She said, because he had just bit somebody. And he sucked <laughs> up. She had just bit somebody and sucked up all his blood. Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, next is Gemini. Gemini. For Gemini... We have a work titled Vermilion Fields of Barley. It's just, it's kind of like a nice pastoral landscape. It just looks like blood has been smeared all over the fields. Oh. Red barley. Yeah. Hmm. See, that's crazy. Get ready for your lovely sign of cancer. Oh, man. Your week is captured in a work titled Inverted Pentagram in the Cloud. Uh, a blood inverted pentagram in clouds red clouds at that like Lucy in the sky with diamonds oh yeah <laughs> but in this sense it's an inverted pentagram it's an inverted pentagram okay <laughs> not really diamonds <laughs> might be better anyhow it is in the sky though you gotta make a deal <laughs> with the devil somehow right Uh-oh. well talking about skies what in the sky as clouds must come down. So might as well come down upon Leo as a title called Ruby Raindrop Curtain. Oh. Curtis has Ruby Almost Raindrop. looks like a technical oh. art painting. It just looks like just blood looking like blood drops. It becomes raindrops, you know. Just, These are creepy. Yeah. I thought they were going to be classy. But These are creepy. classy, though. They're, they're creepy. Classy and disturbing. They're, they're all done in creepy, blood. Creepy. They're all done in blood. Oh. But whose blood is it? Is it the blood of of the sign? Is it somebody else's? Well, we'll never know. 
Of course, we might actually know who, that it is the Nexon's blood because that work for Virgo is titled Messy Bloody Bitch Got Everywhere. Oh. And it's a whole, it takes up a whole room and it's an installation piece there's a, with blood everywhere. There's a couple you of can it. immerse yourself within the room of blood. <laughs> and Virgo. I, I, I actually have to say that one again. Say that one with me. Messy Mercy, bloody, bloody bitch, bitch got, got everywhere. everywhere. And you know what? It perfectly describes a few Virgos I know, alive and dead. <laughs> one's alive, one's dead. <laughs> well, for Libra, I don't know if we're taking you under the bloody water or under the water itself, but the blood is making this beautiful work titled Scarlet Seascape, which is also known by another name, Search for the Pink Pearl. Mm. So it, it, that sounds like a hymen. It has some erotic undertones to this. It has some Virgil erotic <laughs> undertones. Oh, those Libras, you know. Yeah, ruled by Venus and all, you know. Mm, Aphrodite. Yeah. Well, next is Scorpio, my lovely That's you. sign. Yes, yes. Well, with all this blood, they might as well create a fabulous image uh slightly impressionistic in a sense or uh called dancing with the devil in his details ew ew hey i just thought about it though in his details this of, is you yeah could that mean okay well i'm waiting for what you got for jim <laughs> sagittarius yes it's a it's another beautiful landscape titled for Sagittarius titled Journey by the Cardinal River. Basically just a river of blood with some nice little, you know, maybe some little trees on the happy not so happy trees on the side of the river. How many how many housekeepers are washing in that river? On the no. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta take care of business. You Sometimes, know? yeah. Sometimes. Yep. Alright, well talk about insanity of it all. Let's oh. move on to Capricorn. Oh, yes. I, I, I'm waiting on this. One. I don't know if this is art mas part art masterpiece, part puzzle game, but basically this one's very interesting because you got to turn off the lights for the Luminol Labyrinth number 666. Oh, that's Lance. Yeah. That's Lance. Probably a lo looks like a crazy Jackson Pollock painting. In yeah. The and then 666 shows up in it. Yeah. yeah. Can you get through the labyrinth, though? Hmm. I don't know. Not with a Capricorn. <laughs> next is Aquarius. This this next artwork, a lot like a color field painting, if you know what those people that are familiar with that, Rothko's and such. The title of this work for Aquarius is called Sanguine Silence. Kind of like just a nice big smear of one red color and a nice smear of another maybe lighter blood color and they mm. just one of those weird little abstract things that probably goes for millions of dollars probably yeah that's what aquarius gets that's what y'all life is going to be like minus maybe getting the million dollars i don't know some of y'all might I want a million dollars good I luck i don't know it went blood i mean you might have to give your whole body for it no and last but not least pisces Ooh, we're thinking Ooh, looks like some things have dried up for Pisces. 
including all their dried blood, on a beautiful desert scene called The Sands Are Crimson. Uh. You were saying maybe it's like the, the days of our lives. <laughs> like sands from the hourglass. Yeah. So. so are the days of our lives. So that is the gallery. Oh. And it is officially closed now. Oh. It was open for those few moments. It almost didn't open at all. Almost did. <laughs> <laughs> we reopened it just now. Here. This is for real. We're going to be taking a short break. When we come back, we're going to be reviewing. Oh my God! One of the weirdest, sickest, coolest movies that I have ever seen. It's called Willard. I mean, well, I'm not talking about that 1971 with Bruce Davidson. I'm talking about the 2003 remake. And we really are going to get some messy, bloody bitches everywhere. Starring Crispin Glover, Jackie Burroughs, Arlie Emery. Is it Emery? Is that yes. how it's pronounced? Yes. And um, I forget what the other girl's name is. but And then there the one actress that used to be a porn star. We'll talk about her, too. Anyway, uh, we'll be back in just a minute after this word. All right, creeps. We are back, and tonight we are we, we decided that you know well we had the, we had the, those last classic episodes were dropped the last few weeks, and the last one we did before that was this gnarly little murder with the gay porn scene. So we decided we're going to do something kind of fun tonight. Yes. We're doing a movie review of one of the creepiest movies ever made. <laughs> Totally underrated movie as far yes. as I'm concerned because I really enjoyed it. It's called Willard. And no, I am not talking about the 1971 version with Bruce Davidson and Elsa Lanchester and Ernest Borgnine. This one is, is the 2003 remake with Crispin Glover. Now it's directed by Glenn Morgan, the screenplay by Glenn Morgan, and it's based on, on a novel called Ratman's Notebooks. <laughs> by Stephen Gilbert and Wilbert Willard, the movie, well, the original movie Wilbert, where Gilbert Rodson. It's produced by James Wong and Glenn Morgan of X Files fame. That's why it had that little creepy kind of the truth is out there kind of thing to it. It's starring Kristen Glover, Crispin Glover, Laura Ellen Haring, Haring Jackie Burroughs, and probably the most famous asshole in the world, Arlie or Ermy. Ermy, that's how it's pronounced. Arlie Ermy. So um we're gonna start off with a little with a brief synopsis. This is Willard is this I don't know. He he's one of these people that everybody dumps on. Yep. His father's dead, he's living in the big old mansion with his crazy mother who he has to take care of. And she insists that there's rats in the cellar. He didn't see any at first, but she insists. So Willard goes out to Walmart or wherever and buys some rat traps. You know those little glue wrap traps? You know, yeah. You know those, you know? yeah? And he hears this poor rat squeaking in agony all the way from his bedroom. So he runs downstairs and he sees a little ra white rat stuck to that paper trying to get away. And he feels really bad. He feels sorry for it. So he takes him and he gets some cooking oil. And removes the, the uh, removes him from the, the trap, and um, so uh, this he names this rat Socrates and Socrates. becomes very friendly with him. 
Now, Willie works at this job for this company owned by this real fucking jerk. His name is Frank. Frank. What was the last name again? Frank. Yeah. Frank Martin. Martin. Something about people named Martin. You know, Martin. (laughs) So Frank Martin is a supreme asshole. He's always taunting poor Willard. He embarrasses him in front of everybody. And what it turns out is that the company was actually started by Willard's father. And later... Uh, which is a Martin came in as a partner and wound up stealing the company from him. As a result, Willard's father committed suicide. And his mother is an emotional wreck right now. And they're living in this crumbling mansion. So Willard is, befriends this, this, uh, this rat. And he notices, you know, the moon where rats in there. And this big old giant rat that he nicknames Big Ben. Ben, he, he, I don't know, does he really de- de- befriend him? Because he doesn't really like him, it seems. Mm. Uh, and so... It's kind of a strange yeah. love-hate relationship. But, Jen, but, but Ben is very, extremely smart, and he's kind of like the leader of the, of the pack. Leader of the pack! <laughs> oh, good Lord. That's like, that, that, that sounds like a rock and roll song, doesn't it? Anyway, um... Willard really loves Socrates. He even sleeps in the bed. There's one moment where it's almost sickling, sickly, sickening, sickeningly romantic, where he takes Socrates in bed with him and they kind of cuddle. Wasn't that kind of creepy? Not really. Everybody cuddles with their pets. Uh, I cuddle with my cat. Anyway, um, Willard goes to work one day. Have you cuddled with your cats before? Well, he used to sleep right next to me when, okay, when I lived well, by myself. Yeah. Now Willard uh, goes to work one day, and there's this girl at his desk, with his name still on there, and she she says, "I'm sorry." She says, "Mr. Martin told me to sit here," so she he says, "So Martin's saying, yeah, I hired her to help you because you can't seem to get the the, the sales reports done. You're nothing but a loser." Blah blah blah. He's just yeah, every nasty thing a boss can do to an employee. This man does not only the Willie, but all the employees, really. Mm-hmm. And his secretary, who is played by, uh, she's played by uh, Kimberly Patton, who's a former porn star. And she's she, she's kind of a bitch, isn't she? Kind of, yeah. But, you know, he's sexually harassing her. Cause he keeps so, yeah, going. you kind of feel for her, too. Because he's, he's always grabbing at her and everything. So you're going to feel for her because she's being... She, I mean, you know, she's being forced into something she doesn't want to be in. This is, this is a little pre-me too. Today, Martin would be on 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 every cable channel, and <laughs> being arrested and everything. For yeah, and this. he'd have to be selling the business right away. Oh, right? he'd be selling the business. He wouldn't. Yeah. So uh, Willard is coming to work one day, and he notices this big, was it a Mercedes or a, um. Or BMW. I thought it was a Mercedes. Yeah, big, beautiful $90,000 car. And Martin Martin is is just rubbing it in. Yeah, I got it because I know, because I I have to be successful. Because he's successful. I bought this car, not only for me, but for all of you who work for me, because nobody's going to buy anything from somebody who's not successful. And he's, he's just, oh, my God, this man is the biggest narcissist in the world. Imagine 
That's what working for Trump must have been like. Like working <laughs> for this guy. And so um he um he he you know he keeps ragging Willard. And what does he do to him? He 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 just really embarrasses him in front of the whole audience. And Willard's really pissed. He gets bad. So Ben, when he first saw Ben, there was an old tire in the basement, and Ben was chewing on the tire and, and, and che just chewing down on it. So he gets a good idea. He gets all the rats one night and brings them to Martin's house <laughs> where they go into the garage and chew on the tires of his Mercedes and s destroy every tire. And then he almost gets caught. Martin chases him, not knowing this Willard, and he, he almost gets caught at this. But he doesn't. So, anyway, moving on. Uh, what, what, wait a second. What, so what happens next after this? Let's see. Um, Didn't the mother have something happen next? Oh, the mother. Yeah, the mother's going. Oh, the mother. She is just too much. She just. You don't know. Uh, she, she's just. He, he When he's. Cleaning ben, uh, Socrates out. She's knocking on the door and she's going, why were you in there so long? He goes, I only have a little stomach problem. Oh, is it hard or soft? Let me see it. I'm still your mother. She wants to look at his poop. Uh, no. Mama trying to look at the stool sample is not No, good. no, no. She's almost, and she also, she decides that Willard is too wimpy of a name, so she changes his name to Clark. And now she just calls him Clark. Just out of the blue. Oh, yeah. Not legally or anything. No. She just decides his name's Clark now. Uh, she's, she's really nuts. So um, then there's another scene where he's trying to, to get her to go to bed, and she won't do listen to him, and she's screaming. She really does belong in a nursing home. And one of the reasons why he's late for work all the time is because he's having to deal with her ass. But Martin's not sympathetic at all. Oh, no. So anyway... Before long, she falls down the stairs or something, and the rats are eating her. <laughs> and Willard discovers his mom's dead. So no one goes to this woman's funeral, except for Catherine, the lady that was put at his desk. She sort of befriends Willard because she feels bad for him. So he went. To, uh, so, so she goes to the funeral, and. Um, She, she knocks on this door one night with a present. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, okay, anybody had this, this involves an animal. And any, uh, no. If anybody wants to skip over this part, it's kind of gnarly with, with the cat and everything. So she gives him a cat, a red cat named Scully. Poor Scully. <laughs> yeah, well, I told you these are X-Files people, so you know oh, where I got the name Scully. from. So... What he does is he just puts Scully in the house. Oh, yeah. And Scully hits Hello Paul on the TV remote and turns on Easy Listening, and it winds up turning on Michael Jackson's song, Ben, which was from the 1972 movie Ben, which was a sequel to the original Willard. Right. And as she's gone, there's these rats everywhere, and they chase in this poor cat around the house, and she's trying to escape from him by jumping up on top of things. And they're chewing on the furniture. So finally, she's trying to get out this window. She sees a hole in the screen. And there's Ben. And he hisses at her. And she falls into a sea of rats. 
And I was, I was, I was kind of okay with Ben up until that part. And I'm like, you know, I love cats. I was like, fuck you, Ben. Fuck yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, and the cats devour, and it's, you know, it's pretty explicit, isn't it? They don't show any blood or anything. No, it's just so wrong. Poor Scully. Rest in peace, Scully. <laughs> but you just feel bad. All this poor cat wanted to do was get away. I know. And, and live in peace, you know, and, and these rats just torment her. And what's funny about it is, is it's usually cats chasing rats. Yeah, but this is way too And killing them. But there was so many rats. This was was like the massive horde of rats. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, after um, after Willard comes, uh, you know, he he goes to work. After his mother's funeral, he goes to work, and he has his pink slip. He's being fired. And he goes into the office, and he says, "Why am I being fired? This is my father's company." Well, you sue me, Ma. I can afford better lawyers than you. They'll tie it up until I die. If you want to wait 20 or 30 years, you know you didn't have that much time. But anyway, so now Willard's really pissed. And Willard has decided that he's taking action. Oh, wait, one other thing happened after that. You got him in the storeroom. So he had brought, okay, he had brought um, Socrates Socrates and Ben Ben in the storeroom. And that secretary that bitch's secretary tries to get Catherine to go get the Christmas uh, decorations Mm -hmm. and Catherine's just had enough of that place and she says hey you get them and shove them up your ass so he goes to the storeroom and the secretary sees she sees Socrates she screams and they all go in there they all go in there and Martin picks up a piece of the Christmas tree and kills Socrates Willard's besides himself and Ben is watching. And Ben's gloating over that little snicker, that little face he had. No, but he's also pissed too, you know, because it's being killed a rat, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, but Ben also realized, I think, I felt weird about Ben because Ben was also like, now I get to take over. Yeah. Ben had a little evil side. In his well, his side, side. yeah. He, oh, he had that very much evil side. So, we'll talk about that in a moment, but continue <laughs> on. So anyway, um, so Willard's had enough, and he decides he's going to do something about it. And he he overheard uh, uh, Martin saying that he was going to be working late that night. Hmm. So he rounds up all these rats and puts them in the company van and brings them over there. And as cool a scene, we can talk about you can talk about the cinematography of this scene. Is the elevator, the big service elevator door opens. And there's a pile of rats, and they all go down, and Willard's in the middle of it. That actually is an iconic shot. It's really, they, they yeah. love showing that one. And, um, yeah, it's in the, all the trailers and everything. And uh, Martin is surfing porn on his 2003 computer. Oh, the, the peekaboo the, web. <laughs> yeah, probably on AOL software. <laughs> you remember how slow AOL <laughs> software you downloaded? Oh, and when he goes to grab for the mouse, there's Ben sitting there. And he grabs Ben and goes, ah! And Ben runs off. And then he looks and he sees all these other rats. And oh. Willard comes in there and he says, yeah, look at all the rats. And he tells him, these rats will do anything I say. And he says, he, you know, he tells him, you know, you stole a family, the, the, the business from my father. And he killed both of them. You tried to kill me, but you can't now. And I used to hate myself, but now I like myself. 
and so the uh, so Martin he's got the stick that Martin used to kill Socrates. And somehow or another, he Martin overpowers Willard and knocks him down and runs to the elevator. But the rats follow and the rats chase him. And they, Willard's there and they all on the maces tear him up. And they do just that. And everybody, anybody who's ever had an asshole boss in their lifetime loved it. Didn't you? Haven't you had? Asshole boss. Haven't you had an asshole boss that you want to feed has. to the rats? You know of one of mine. Oh yeah. She had. She 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 shot her boyfriend. I would love to. I would love to feed her to the rats. Well, <laughs> I'm sure she's getting her share of them in jail right now. <laughs> anyway, so so Martin's dead, and Willard says goodbye, Ben. He's leaving all the rats there. He's not taking them back. And then he goes home and proceeds to kill the rest of the rats yeah. and try to rat-proof the house. Yeah. So, um, Catherine come, comes to the door the next day and says, Oh, did you hear about what happened to Martin? He was attacked by animals or something. They don't know. They think he may have been murdered. And she's, um, and he says, Oh, well, let's go out to eat somewhere. He wants to get away, away from yeah, them. Yeah, because the police are showing up And the police are showing up, and the rats are coming back in the house. Yeah. So, he goes to, um, he, he, he runs in the house, and he comes out, and when they go to her little Volkswagen bug, the rats have eaten her tires. Right. So, so he says, well, I'm going to go inside and call Triple A, because he's going to try to kill Ben now. Well, yeah, and he saw the cops had popped back up, too. So, he had this bag with all, um, all the mouse traps and everything, yeah. all the rat traps, and there's Ben. And he's telling them it's food, it's food, and he's putting the, he puts it over there, and somehow another Ben's paw gets caught in the in the rat trap, because you see him get away, but you see the paw is still left there, it was cut off. So, the rats are following him. He goes up some spiral staircase, and finally, what happens is Ben just bites the hell out of him, and he and he's just being attacked by all the rats. So Catherine's outside and she looks out the window and she sees a silhouette on the window and she sees Ben Willard with the big old knife stabbing Ben to death. Yeah. And so he comes down and says, help me. And then right then and there, I think she realized he killed Martin and she freaks out and runs away. So the police say, you know, they send in a, I like the part where she wanted to go in and help Willard. And they said, if you go in there, you're going to get eaten alive. And I wonder if that was a sexual, <laughs> yeah, kind of, oh. And so, um, we think Willard's dead, but he's not. Nope. He's in the mental institution. Yeah. And Philip was saying there was something kind of symbolic I mean, I, about that. Yeah, so, so, if we look at the movie as a whole, the rats in the cellar is kind of like our overall primal instinct or or basic yeah, yeah. that what's going on. However, Socrates represents that one rat or that one solitary thing that makes us uh wanna wanna be civilized. The moral to be side. above the moral and, and, and be philosophical and think above our primal instinct. Ben represents that kind of deeper, darker, visceral response to things where say, 
fuck it. Let let let's 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 kill a bitch. Let's cut a bitch. Let's let's yeah. let's rip somebody, tear them and apart. Then after Barton kills Socrates, that's when Willard goes gets homicidal. And that's what happened. So Willard then left himself all to that deeper, darker, visceral. He nature. becomes a homicidal. Yes. After Socrates is yeah. killed. And what's interesting is when you get what you were about to bring up going into the thing he meets another little rat similar to Socrates so it's like he's trying he's insane at that point because he killed Ben and he and Socrates died but he's trying to reconnect with this new rat and trying to find some new moral code within the insanity and now this is what I'm uh, I know it's crazy <laughs> this is, no 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 it's not crazy because you said something before you even know he wound up in the insane or something you said when you kill your dark side, you go insane. Yeah. I said, you oh, do. wait. You do. Look where he is now. And he was in, he, he's in, in Looney Van. Well, and he had a clerk, that, and he had a, a nurse that was teasing him. Well, because, see, the two rats, Socrates and Ben, were motives and purpose. Once you killed the two, he lost all motive and purpose, and yeah. everything went insane, like rats in the cellar, so to speak. However... He thinks he has this finding this purpose within insane asylum. There is no new Socrates. Socrates didn't come back. He's just having some weird frame. I thought I thought maybe it was a it was an illusion. Well, but the, I think I think that's what it might have been. Because the chances of a white rat coming right, into right. Cell. and it's this idea of thinking once you've gone insane, you could find some new moral code. No, you just lost your shit at that. Point. No, he went. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and like I said, he was all con- conflicted and everything, and he was pretty nerdy, and he wouldn't have killed anybody. In so I really think it was an interesting cult classic wrapping up these mental things in a very fun creature feature. I mean, Well, I think it was, was really, uh, I think this movie really needs to be rediscovered. Oh, yeah. And so I'm gonna, we, we're going to go to the, because uh, I know we don't want want this re- episode to ramble on and everything. No. So we're going to go right to the performances. Crispin Glover. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I think he outdid Bruce Davidson. Which another uh, uh, in thing, they show pictures of Willard's father, and it's Bruce Davidson in those pictures. Crispin also has a look where he is handsome, but it just fits with the rats, like it, the look of his face. Now, Laura Elena Harding, that, Harding that's the girl, that, that's Catherine. I thought that she was pretty good. I mean, it could have been. She it, served exactly. It could have been, yeah. It, that part could have been played by anyone. Yeah, but she did well. But Jackie Burrows, she was the, the ultimate creepster mother, wasn't she? Ooh, I don't think. I mean, she else. was. Cre- it was her eyes, and then the- she was creepier than Elsa Lanchester was in the original. She was giving and me... And we talking about the Bride of Frankenstein. She here. was giving yeah. me... <laughs> not completely, but she was giving me some slight Baby Jane, uh, what happened to Baby Jane vibes. Yeah, but she was a lot... She wasn't as... Baby Jane, her bodily, was healthy and... Right. You know, she was crazy, sick mentally, right. but she was strong and sound bodily. But there was some vibes there. There was some... Man, and this woman was very frail. Yeah. And, uh, okay, um... Arlie Ermey as Martin. He does what he does best. Plays an Plays asshole boss. Asshole. asshole coach. Asshole army sergeant. And the funny thing about this is if you ever saw this man interviewed, and uh, he's no longer with us. I believe he died in 2000. Let me see where it is. Yeah, he, he died in 2018. 
at the age of he died in 2018 at the age of 74 and Jackie Burroughs is also no longer with us she died at uh, in 2010 at the age of 71 but um, if you ever saw him interviewed he when he's in was interviewed as himself I was going like wow he really seems like a nice guy and all, everybody that worked with him loved working with him and said that he was like the nicest man to work with. But he plays this really horrible. I listened to another um, podcast about this very movie, and the guy said that um, Arlie Ermey plays the same character only with a different job in, every, <laughs> in, in everything he's in. And he is a former um, drill sergeant, too. So I guess that's why he could do the mean, nasty thing so well. He always does that well. And um, the girl, Kimberly Patton, the former porn star that plays Barbara, the secretary. I think she did a decent job, too. So um, anyway, you have any kind of notes on the cinematography or the direction? Well, I kind of want to talk importantly, if if you look at when this movie came out, it was New Line Cinema. This Mm -hmm. was coming out right after New Line had made a ton of money from the Lord of the Rings trilogy yeah. had been rolling in. That money has just been rolling in. Yeah. Um, I think actually it would have had only like the, I think Return of the King would have been coming out the same year as well, like 2003. Yeah. Uh, but so pretty much all that money had been rolling in. So Nulon really was taking all of that studio money they had now and were recreating these old movies, creating, so there's a lot of movies you see in this period of time in that early, mid 2000s. Mm-hmm. And I think Willard was really a success because I think it really showed the use of the CGI. The art direction was impeccable. And I really think New Line, it was one of the better productions for that time period that was doing. Because there are some that are more questionable of what was going on. But uh, I think this one is a winner on that. Yeah, and you know, this is one of those movies that really deserves to be rediscovered. And it deserves to become sort of a cult classic. Because well, it's kind of it's got very high camp value. It's very dark humor. <laughs> it, it's funny and and sick at the same time. Everything you expect in a cult classic. Yeah, and it's um and it's got and and Crispin Glover is born to play the creepy dude. Oh yeah. Everything he's in, even Charlie's Angels, which he made right around this time. Yeah. Was it Full Throttle or the first one? I'm not. I don't remember. But he played the creepy guy in that one too. Yeah. The the villain. And I think he would, uh, even on this other, um, this other podcast that I was listening to, they said that he would be great as Joker. He's did an amazing job recently as Mr. World in American Gods. If y'all haven't watched American Gods, go watch it. He does that role with some justice. And I, I can see him either as the Joker or the Riddler. The only problem with him being the Joker Riddler is now after doing Mr. World, it kind of makes that a difficult transition yeah to where he'll his be... american gods character is so well done it's like um... it's like sometimes when these actors play a very iconic character i'd actually like to see him in something that's a little bit more fantasy or futuristic sci-fi i think it would yeah. be fun to see him used in that that might be a little bit it was still i'm wondering if we could see him as like as an anti-hero which this was to a certain yeah. extent. Oh yeah. And this was a, he usually he's mostly a character actor, supporting actor, but this was a lead role. Yeah. Now, um, I, there's some actors and actresses 
that when they play an iconic role, every role they play after that, they play that role over again. And one was Elizabeth Taylor. After Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, every part she played after that was a yell, was screaming, nagging, shrewish type woman. Same thing with, with Faye Dunaway. After she played Joan Crawford, she played every thing she was in from that, like Joan Crawford. When she had a successful, both of those women had successful careers before that. And I think that's what, that's what, that's part of a curse of playing a very iconic character like that. It's, um, you know, like Bela Lugosi with Dracula. Was well, that what you're trying to say about Crispin Glover? I'm wondering but if... I don't feel like... Uh, if that would, ha if that's gonna ha would happen to Crispin Glover. I feel like he's Glover. purposely being typecasted at times. And I think I think the problem for him is is that some people can't get whatever out of their mind that they see. But I actually looked at some of his major roles. You know, McFly, Willard. George McFly, Mr. Yeah. World. And I'm like, each character is different. Yeah. But I do feel there still is a slight typecasting, and that's not necessarily his fault. That is casting director. Yeah, and you know, when I, like I said, when they see somebody does something well, they want them to do that all the time. It's one of the reasons I do think I, I think if he were to get something, it would be nice to see him. It was hard to get him into a say for drama, but I would say maybe if it were a fantasy or futuristic sci-fi, I think it might work. Yeah, but I, I can't imagine that he is probably difficult to cast. The first movie I saw him in was one of the Friday the 13th movies. And this guy kept calling him dead fuck. And finally he gets the girl. Oh, let me put it out in the universe. You know what I'd love to see? What? Him married, as characters, married to a character that was played by Tilda Swinton. Him and Tilda, Tilda Swinton would make some like, kind of... Like these creepy parents. Some kind of cool power couple. I don't know. Somebody make that happen because I'm there for it. Okay. Oh, like a like a like a couple of a, a really rich couple, like the Eaton Raul couple, something like like that. Something like that. But couldn't you see they own a restaurant? Couldn't you see him and Tilda Swinton as a couple? Yeah, they own a restaurant and they and and you know they they kill people and serve them. Or any, any, <laughs> yeah. If somebody can make my dream happen, where it's in any kind of movie, you bring Tilda Swinton and Crispin Glover together, I'm happy. And who, another actor who's fallen into that creepy kind of thing is Bud Court from Harold and Maude. Because oh, okay. on Criminal Minds, he played, he and, uh, and what's her name? Um, Beth Graham played this couple that were like pedophiles. All right, now we're going to get to the rating. Uh, what, how many shutters do you give? Willard? I give it four shutters. I thought it was fabulous. Yes, I do too. Out of five, I give it four. And nothing, and nothing rarely ever gets a five, does it? And the only, well, yeah, the only thing I would say is maybe a few little things that are not the fault of the actors. It's more like little simple writing things and other stuff. Yeah, that I really can't. I do. thought that it did the original well. As a matter of fact, I think it's better than the original. I actually would say it is better. However, the original is a cult classic. I do feel like this achieves better. I think that's the only problem with it is because it's a remake of a movie that's very beloved. Yeah. I think that ruins its status to people. And it's really unfortunate. I want to I, I implore everyone out there 
to give this movie a chance. Yeah, rarely we agree that a remake is good, but we agree on this one. This yeah, because they took they did they just took a classic and improved on it. You know, we I, I can't I can't see them remaking The Exorcist, which they are actually. I don't want to talk I can't, about that. You know, I can't. They they remake. They, be, they better do it justice if they're going to do it. They shouldn't have touched. Well, Ellen Burstyn is involved. So. That's the only saving grace. Yeah. You know, and um, but I don't know. We will see because well, it's going to be a theatrical movie, and then the next two are going to be on uh, Peacock or one we'll of those. We'll see how that works. All right, so you can follow us on Twitter at a shutters. Oh, our Instagram is. At Open Shutters Podcast. Facebook, the official uh, page for Open Shutters, a creepy podcast. You have any kind of uh, uh, comments or suggestions or anything, why don't you uh, write us either at openshutters at yahoo.com or movieshutters at aol.com. There it is, aol again. <laughs> We're just talking about aol. So, Oh, what's, what, what else I wanted to say? Okay, so, um, oh yeah, that's right. Apple. I want everybody to give us a review on Apple. Tell us what you think. If you think we sucked, write it. If you think we were good, write it. But we would hope you would give us five stars and talk about how wonderful we are. So, until next time, and uh, we are, we are going to do it next time. We're not going to go so long without dropping the, an original episode again. Enjoy the view from the open shutters. But don't fall out the window. Unless you're a shitty-ass boss that bullies their employees. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, Frank Martin, fall out the window and into the rats. Yes. Thank you. Bye-bye.